Hi, and welcome to the voice of the child. Corporal punishment in educational settings and at home has declined around the world over the last decade, with a growing number of countries passing laws banning child assault, or smacking, as it is more commonly known. But in countries like Sri Lanka, corporal punishment in schools has become an epidemic, despite laws implemented by the government to ban these assaults. In what is believed to be the first case of its kind, a young girl has filed a lawsuit with the United Nations Human Rights Committee against the Sri Lankan government, following her own experience at age 11 of regular incidents of corporal punishment at her school. The complaint was accepted by the UNHRC, which is now waiting for the Sri Lankan government to file its response to the claim. Adriana, who is now 14, her brother Alex and her mother Dr Tush Wick have very kindly agreed to talk about their experience, the lawsuit and the rising levels of child abuse in Sri Lanka. Welcome to Adriana, Alex and Tush. Thank you so much for coming on to the Voice of the Child podcast. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure. Nice to meet you as well. Let's start with Adriana. Adriana, what happened to you at school on the 12th of January in 2018? Basically, I went to school and uh, I forgot to bring my reading book into school. And because I forgot to bring my reading book into school, my sir got really angry. And basically, me and the other kids who forgot to bring our books into school, um, he like decided to punish us. And he made us um, kneel down in like a line in the middle of the class. And then he'd call us up one by one and like pull our ears. Um, and then like, because we didn't bring our book and that was his way of like making us bring our book. And how did you feel at that point? It was very embarrassing because there was only a few of us out of the whole class. I think it was like seven or eight. And like the whole, the rest of the class was watching us and then laughing at us because when we were in like, in a line in the middle of the class, it was just really awkward. You just was kneeling down waiting for your name to be called up. Would you say the humiliation was worse than perhaps the physical punishment itself? Well, I mean, it was kind of like 50-50. It wasn't too different because like it was happening to other people as well. So it was just like blending in. But then it was really weird because everyone was just like laughing at you and staring. And then what happened that evening? Did you go home to your mom and dad and tell them what happened? Um, I went into the car and with my mom and then like it just like slipped out of my mouth and then she's like whoa, whoa, whoa. and then I <laughs> and then I told her the whole story basically. And how did your mom react to that? She was very angry and then she like made me describe it all and like everything that happened and then she went to school and then it escalated from there because she didn't get like what she wanted. But that's not where the story ends, is it? Because something happened to you after that when you went back to school after your mum complained. Yeah, a lot happened. I don't know which bit you're talking about. Well, do you want to just take us from the very beginning? What happened the following morning when you came back into school? I'm not sure when this was, but I think when we went to the police um, and like school were involved, and then all the kids had to talk to like the principal and stuff. The principal made me like them all stop talking to me. And I like had no one to talk to, no friends. And whenever I was trying to talk to someone, they're like, oh, I can't talk to you or something like that. And they'd walk away. Um, then like I got moved when like my t- the teachers didn't like me either. Some did. 
But um, like my class teacher moved me right to the back of the class. So like I didn't get like, to talk to anyone. Um, and then this other teacher called me a buffalo in Sinhalese <laughs> when I was with my friends. So how much more of that did you have to endure? Um, I'm not sure. The main thing was just losing all my friends because I felt really lonely. Like, because like school's like a long day and then you have no one to really be with. It's just, it was up until we left school. So how many months roughly did you experience that alienation and that bullying and that intimidation? A long time. I'm not sure how long. So honey, this incident happened on a Friday, darling. And then we had the weekend. And then we went and met the principal on the Monday. Remember? Mm-hmm. It happened on a Friday. We had the weekend. Then we went off to school on the Monday, which was the 15th. And then we complained to the school. But because they did nothing for a while, that's when we went to the police. And that's when everything kind of went out of proportion. Yeah. And then for you, you probably forgotten, but this incident happened in January 2018. And we came to England, or you guys, we moved in um, the September of 2019. So it, ha- it went on for that long. It's one and a half years. Yeah. And uh, Adriana, that treatment had an effect on your mental health. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happened after that? I got a lot more um, intro- introverted and I didn't like talk to that many people. And like, I only talked to a few people, like I think five or six people. Like I didn't, barely anyone even came to like my birthday or anything. And it was really like, and I was really upset the entire time. And what do you think were the worst parts for you of that bullying process and the corporal punishment as well? The having no friends bit. Because, like, now friends is a really big part of me. But um, before, when I didn't have any friends, it was like, I was really lonely. So that's the main part that I would want to change if I could... And so now you and your mum have filed this lawsuit, the United Nations. It's probably the first lawsuit ever of its kind to make its way to the United Nations um, on corporal punishment, asking the United Nations to address the the violations that you experienced along with some of your classmates. Um, Why did you decide to file that lawsuit? Because we want justice. I want to prove, like, prove our point and prove that we don't want anyone else to basically go through what I went through. And well, we'll go over to Alex and ask your brother what he thinks about all of this. Right. So at the time when this was all going down, I wasn't really getting the full extent to how serious this situation was, seeing as it obviously wasn't to do with me. But um, the way the teachers treated me didn't really change as much. But um, it, it was very hard for me when it came down toward my um, O-levels when the teachers, similar to her subjects, uh, talk about obviously the siblings and the mum, then obviously it transgressions onto me as well. But um, yeah, I do remember the time when uh, she was getting told off uh, unnecessarily by these teachers and it was, it was disheartening. 
And how did it affect you going through that process and watching your sister being upset and hurt and alienated all the time? So um, when I'm at home with her, obviously I try to spend as I try to spend as much time as I could with her whenever I had the chance. And seeing as uh, the, I'm always talking to her like, what does she do today at school? Or what do you do with your friends? And some days she just say nothing because she never she never did anything with her friends because they never talked as she was saying. So um, it really was sad to hear that. But now she seems to be getting along really fine with people, which is good. And do you support her lawsuit? Yeah, of course. I, I really don't like what they did. And um, I really hope that nobody ever has to go through something like that. D- during my mocks, it was quite difficult to because when I was doing my maths, uh, let's... For example, when I was doing my math paper, they never really did the, the marking correctly. And when I sent it for remarking, they were um, having a hissy fit and they didn't want to do it correctly. And the school was getting uh, all worked up about it as well, saying that it's my fault. And uh, even for doing my prefectship, uh, they didn't allow me to get my prefectship done either. But when I came to England and I uh, started going to school here I immediately got prefectship so it's it's just the way the school works there do you think they were singling you out because of your sister yeah I feel like that was the case so we're going to move across to your mum now um Tush obviously you were hi Hi, Tush you're obviously very upset and concerned when um, Adriana came to you and told her what had happened to her in January in 2018 and I understand you initially complained to the school about your daughter's treatment how did they respond well it it wasn't the first occasion so we've had these um, incidents of corporal punishment even experiencing with my son uh, you know in his class and incidents where children have been physically hit and Adriana has been forced to kneel down plenty of times and a few knocks on the head and pullings of the ears have gone on before. And each time we have made a verbal complaint and there have been occasions when I've actually made written complaints as well. But this incident seemed a little um, too aggressive um, to the point that actually Adriana wasn't very forthright. It, it just kind of slipped out of her mouth over the weekend after the incident because she herself had started to believe that this was quite normal. So she was accepting of, of, the, of the, um, the, the, the punishments and, and the abuse. Um, and I was particularly hurt when I heard that she had to kneel down in front of a man because I, my immediate reaction was, oh, what is the kind of message it's going to give to the other boys in the class? And how submissive should should a, a girl be in front of a man? So that's the first thing that went across my mind. So when we went and spoke to the, the principal the following Monday, because this happened on the Friday, so when we went and spoke to the, on the Friday, you know, there was utter disbelief, as in disbelief that this happened, whereas they were kind of, you know, it, that's always the case. You know, as soon as you make a complaint, it's a complaint that seems to get cornered because there is no complaints process in the school. So, um, you know, so the harassment is automatically on to the victim. Um, and in this time also, it was a case of utter disbelief and, oh, no, could it, did it really? That's the kind of answer we got. Um, and then I was assured that there would be a meeting with the, with the teacher. And it took about a good week. I mean, he went off sick. 
And then it took about a good week before um, a meeting was conducted with the principal and the teacher. And I was quite astounded by the excuse that he said. Uh, he actually said that he had three little children, all under the age of seven, and he beats them. And in the night, they come and say sorry and gives him a kiss and um, worships him. And, and that's, that's the story he related to me in front of the principal, which was quite shocking. And so the whole thing was almost like normal, you know, and, and, and the principal was, oh, you can't do that in this school. But it was never a case of, you know, we are going to take action against you. That's not on. And there, there is a, a process of uh, very severe disciplinary uh, measures towards children, even for trivial things. But there is no disciplinary process for teachers, which is why the whole thing keeps getting repeated over and over again. And because I didn't accept that on that particular day, so this happened on maybe the 19th or the 20th, I can't remember, I decided to go to the police. I had never been to a police station or made a complaint ever in my life um, in, in Sri Lanka. So, so when I went to the police and I complained, obviously you, know, you make a complaint, and then you have to take Adriana and then she has to you know, give her evidence and give a statement rather. Um, and, um, you know, she had to mention all the other, the names of all the other kids. Um, and then we had a, um, we had um, an inquiry to which the principal, and I wanted the principal, the chairman, the, the owner of the school, the chairman, and the teacher, but the chairman didn't turn up. So it was the, it was the principal and the teacher who turned up. And, um, and I actually didn't realize that the teacher had um, denied in his statement, I was supposed to have been allowed to see his statement, but I didn't. And I didn't realize that he had denied um, punishing the children in his statement. But somehow during the, during the inquiry, was, we were sat there talking uh, quite amicably, um, discussing things. He suddenly said, oh, you know, it's, it's, if it's my fault, I will resign. And, and that was not anticipated. I was not prepared for that. So with him, with him resigning, because there were three things that I wanted in my letter of complaint, and it's always been the same through and throughout. And that's one is that we need a complaints mechanism, which is transparent. We want a uh, child protection policy in the school. And we wanted, you know, um, compulsory training for all teachers on child psychology, because we have teachers who have absolutely no teacher training whatsoever. So those were my, my demands, should I say. And with that, we came to a decision, okay, so the teacher was willing to resign and the principal was happy to um, request for a complaints mechanism. And we signed on the dotted line in the book and said, okay, we're, we're going to be amicably settling this. But the real harassment started the same afternoon when the principal decided to sort of go back to school and then said out loud to the entire school, the, the students and, and the parents who came to pick their kids up at the end of school time that I had gone to the police, I had brought, brought disrepute to the school, you know, that, that I managed to kick out a good teacher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of started to, to snowball from there. And what happened when you took your complaint to the police? How did they respond? Very dismissive. Because corporal punishment or, or hitting a child or any kind of abuse, other than sexual abuse, human sexual abuse, unless, you know, it's grave sexual abuse, is all considered as quite normal. 
you know, oh, you know, we've been hit, it hasn't done us any harm, you know, look where we are, we've been hammered black and blue and, and we are who we are and how old we are because of the type of um, harassment that we have received in life. So that is the kind of mentality that goes from, sadly, from the judges who deliberated on our, on our case down all the way as well. So um, the first thing they asked me was, was the child injured? You know, so when I explained the, the whole thing, was the child injured? But um, so obviously there was no physical injury. It's just for them, you know, not having a physical injury was nothing. You know, you should just not even bother to come to come to the police station. That that kind of attitude. So um, it, it was it was quite challenging to make to make the complaint and insist that they take it down, um, insist that they have the inquiry. Um, but I went through the motions because I on on principle I just. I just wanted to make sure that I at least bring the teachers to the school, um, teachers to the police station and, and show them that this is not tolerable. You then reached out to the National Child Protection Authority. What was your experience with them? Yes, yeah, so um, once the, the mental harassment started and when Adriana, um, as she explained about uh, being isolated, so... The very next day, she was isolated in her class for an entire school day. Um, and, you know, this was coming up to about two weeks later since the incident now. And it is only at that point that um, th that even the teacher had remembered who, the, who these other students were that he had punished by reading Adriana's statement. Even the principal didn't know who they were. So they waited till the inquiry was over that we settled amicably before the harassment started. And they, they had um, called each in individually, each student individually to the principal's room and um, taken a statement off of the children. It, the statement later transpired where the children were encouraged to be sort of like dismissive and you know, make light of the situation. Um, and so when these kids were being called one at a time to the principal's office, that's when Adriana had clicked, you know, something's wrong. But none of the kids who left the class that came back from the principal's office were, were speaking to Adriana. So then she, you know, she was isolated for a whole day. She didn't have anyone to eat her lunch with. Then she went off to have, uh, to do her extracurricular activities after school. And by the time she came home for around four o'clock, you know, from seven o'clock in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon, she was pretty much alone that day. And she was near enough having a, a, a mental breakdown. So she was... You know, she just burst out crying for about three to four hours. And I still remember this mental picture of her curled up in bed in a fetal position, which is something that I will never forget for the entire life of me. And that image is what prompted me to go to the National Child Protection Authority. So with that, Adriana refused to go to school. Um, so she missed a few days off of school and we, I took the matter to the National Child Protection Authority. And um, luckily there was a chairperson at the time who took it up seriously and um, did all the investigations very promptly. But I'm very sorry to say that she was changed and it was all politically motivated that she was changed. 
Um, and since then, this happened in 2018, until now, we have not been able to proceed with the case. And during this whole, you know, during that period, as Adriana said to you, that there were incidents where she was bullied. And we had been to the NCPA, as we call it, the National Child Protection Authority, um, NCPA, many times during that time. And we've complained over and over again. You know, we spend a good half a day there giving statements, etc. And at no point was any of the teachers arrested or the principal arrested or anything like that. So in the end, we gave up. And at no point did they ask us, how's your child? Not, not the teachers in school, not the principal in school or the National Child Protection Authority. How's your child was never asked of. Um, does your child need any, any support was never asked of. I mean, Adriana had three independent um, medical examinations, one with the judicial medical officer, two with judicial medical officers in two areas, consultant, um, uh, uh, child specialist, you know, um, and psychologist and psychiatrist. And all of them gave a damning report of mental abuse. Um, and her last report, the third and final um, independent report, was in August 2019, and that was one year and eight months later. So with all of that under your belt, you then decided to launch this suit at the United Nations Human Rights Committee. What have you included in that claim? Okay, so before we went there, there were so many other avenues that I explored to try and get some justice, to try and resolve this as quickly as possible with the least damage to the child, the school and um, and us as a family, because we were quite literally isolated. We lost all our friends, family friends, almost overnight the moment that we went to school. There was a huge sticker campaign that started against us. There was a um, WhatsApp group that started against us. Um, there was a Facebook alumni page with a damning letter from the school authorities against us. There was a whole website created against us, and none of these were uh, accessible to us. And so we were being uh, ridiculed, slandered, abused verbally, uh, harassed, and hung to dry, almost publicly crucified uh, by uh, staff, by students, by current and past, by parents and by strangers who knew nothing because these were all public sites except that we could not join. Um, so it, it was quite horrendous actually. So my first priority was to try and stop it. Um, and so because there was political interference, I went and met the president. I went from bottom to top. So I went and met the minister of education you know, to try and because the school was not regularized to try and speak about getting education um, institutions, the private ones, international ones to be regularized. So that was one uh, that didn't work. So I went to the Minister of Justice to see whether there was anything that can be done about expediting cases, not just my child, but there are right this moment as we speak, there's nearly 30,000 cases of child abuse stuck in the Attorney General's department spanning over 15 years, right this minute. So I was you know, campaigning to see whether we could expedite, how we could expedite these cases. Um, then um, I went and met the um, Prime Minister of the country because I wanted laws written 
written into and, and revised and we met the president. Um, so I, I went through the entire motions and, I, and then I complained to the, the Human Rights Commission of Sri Lanka. But sadly, that was dismissed because the international schools were not regularized as, uh, as part of the government institution. So they could only consider, and this, this, is, this is the irony, and this is how ridiculous the system was, is that a child who goes into a private school or an international school in Sri Lanka that is unregulated by the Ministry of Education, which they are, uh, does not have the right of the rest of the citizens of this country. In other words, the, the Human Rights Commission of Sri Lanka will not defend these children. All of that is obviously really concerning. Um, but during the, the campaign to isolate you and to obviously intimidate you as a family, you mentioned a sticker campaign. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, yeah, so it was a car sticker campaign. And what it basically said was, we love our teachers, teachers are our second uh, parents. We love our school. The school is our second home. That was that was the the sticker, basically, because I was complaining against the school and the, and the teachers, and it had the school emblem. So obviously, it was sponsored by the school. Nobody can use the school emblem without the authority of the school, and these stickers were being distributed at the gate to every car that was coming through. But we, our our car. Uh, did not get a sticker. So it was very well organised, um, this sticker campaign. Had you ever seen a sticker campaign like that whilst the children were at school at the school? No, never. I mean, the the whole, the whole I, I'm, I was quite surprised because, you know, even if the child was at fault, let's say, you know, an educator, someone who has a responsibility and care if they are the second home and if they are the second parents they should be protecting the child first um, because the child is a primary stakeholder in an institution of education so they should be protecting the child first and foremost they should be telling everyone else to back off you know, and then taking it from there. But none of that actually happened. It was almost like sending my daughter to the guillotine and getting everyone else to kind of pour the kerosene over the fire that was flaming. And so it was it was completely one-sided, um, you know, campaign, attack, instigation, whatever the word is. And no, I, I actually didn't consider any of these things when I walked into the police station, I really did not anticipate the amount of backlash that we faced and the amount of backlash that went on in society as well, because it overspilled to a, to a level where the, where the school was able to tell through their own you know, alumni Facebook page, this woman is creating such a problem. We've actually asked this woman to, to take her children and leave the school, but she's insisting on staying in the school and giving us grief. So that message was not taken up nicely by, by, the, by the general public. So you've now launched this case at the United Nations Human Rights Committee. It is a pioneering case. Uh, there's no case that we are aware of, uh, of its kind, that's ever been launched um, and submitted um, to this particular UN body or elsewhere. Um, and you've launched this to highlight several things. What have you tried to highlight with this case? Yes. So the first thing is that 
we, after failing to report the matter to the Human Rights Commission of Sri Lanka, we took the matter up to the highest uh, uh, you know, judicial body, which is the Supreme Court for human rights violations. And there too, we were not even allowed to proceed um, with the case because the same excuse, even though we haven't got it in writing, by the way, um, the, the judgment was given and we don't know why we were not allowed to go proceed because there was no written judgment given. But the, the murmurings within the bench was that because the international school was not registered under under a government body and you could only take action against a government body or someone who's working for the government, um, we were not allowed to proceed further with the, with the human rights, um, with the Supreme Court. It is, that's, that is why we sought um, an international body because we had run out of options at this time. We've run out of... Um, you know, education reforms, we've run out of school reforms, we've run out of the criminal procedure, which was not happening, and we'd run out of the rights procedure. So there was nowhere else to go other than the Human Rights Commission um, uh, in, in Geneva. Um, and so our, our fundamental case is um, based upon the international covenants of the um, ICCPR protection of rights of um, humans, um, of individuals, um, and the violations of those rights, which is um, the harassment um, and the physical punishment and the mental abuse, um, because every human, even in our constitution, every citizen has a right to live a life free of fear and discrimination. So it is on those grounds that we took the matter up with the Human Rights Commissioner and, and what we want is one, accountability from the government of Sri Lanka, two, um, fairness in, in, um, in the, uh, the way that they implement the laws and regulations for all children, irrespective of which a school, whether they are rich or poor, three is that we actually want the child protection policies and the national child protection policy to be implemented. Um, we want complaints mechanisms established in all schools onto international levels where somebody can actually go and complain without feeling intimidated, um, without being you know, harassed like this, a very clear and transparent mechanism. And five, um, we obviously want the laws to be reformed. There's contradicting laws within our country. The penal code in one section says it's a, it's a crime, you know, a physical abuse. But at the same time, the same penal code says it is a crime only if there's injury or hurt, injury or suffering. So my child suffered mentally, but who can, who can you know, justify that? Who, how can you measure the suffering? You know, it's, it's um, in her case, she has medical examinations that proved it, but their other children may not have that. So, you know, that penal code clause is actually, you know, half-baked. And within the, within the same penal code, there is another section which actually says that if a child is less than 12 years of age, anything done, any punishment done in good faith is not against the law. And then there is also another clause, and all these were actually uh, written at the time when we were um, we were uh, uh, colonized by the British in such you know during the colonial times in the 18th century almost, and and those clauses are still existing. And one of the clauses there it says 
Um, if a schoolmaster flogs a student and does it in good faith, it is not against the law. So you have three different clauses just for cruelty, just for corporal punishment and physical abuse within, within the penal code. And these are against the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. So we want those to be uniformed. Um, we want, um, finally, compensation in whatever, um, you know, whatever they feel fit. We haven't actually put a, put a number there because it's the bottom of our requirement is the least important for us. But if we are to win it and if there is some funding that is being given to us, um, I would put it to our trust um, so that we could help other, uh, you know, other children with legal costs. You're also expecting a response from the Sri Lankan government, which was due to come in, I think, yesterday or the day before. Um, has the court notified you of any response? So the deadline was on the 22nd of March. So I don't get to see it firsthand, but that information will now go to the committee and they will uh, then um, send that response to us, to me, uh, for my comments. And after I've given the comments on that as to whether, you know, the, are these, you know, the excuses and explanations given by the government, are they accurate? Uh, am I happy with that? Or if not, what else has gone wrong? I mean, there's plenty that has gone wrong within the last um, three years since this incident has occurred. We've had, you know, um, convicted child murderers who were on death row being released by the executive president. Um, so we've, we've got, you know, child abusers running the law freely in our country. So the situation clearly has got worse. So whether there's anything else that we would like to say to them and, and that after that, they would make the deliberations. And once they have made their decision, the, that decision will then become a public document where it's open to every child, uh, every country. And, and I'm hoping that the recommendations given um, by the UNHRC will not just help the Sri Lankan children, but will help um, all children, including England, where corporal punishment is still legally allowed in homes and is and is only uh, disallowed or illegal in, in schools. So this would also have some benefit um, for us in the UK. And when do you expect to get a judgment? Do you have a rough idea of how long it will be before the, the court comes back to you? Unfortunately, no, but um, I think everything's delayed due to COVID. So I think they take about six months before they send us the government response and then they give us a deadline. So I think it's fair to say it might take another year or so for the, for the um, process to complete. Well, we're going to go back to Adriana and Alex now and um, just have a chat with them. Thank you very much, Tush. Um, Thank you. Thank Adriana, what are your plans for the next few months? Um, I don't know. I'm just going to focus on school and go out with my friends because the corona restrictions are lifted in a few days. So, yeah. Are you looking forward to having more freedom? Silly question. Yes, a lot. And how about you, Alex? What are you looking forward to? Uh, getting done with all my internal assessments. They should be done by Friday. But, and then I've got a little break. And then more assessments. 
come the end of May and then I basically have it good for a couple of weeks and then I have to focus on trying to get into a university. And do either of you want to follow in your mum's footsteps and focus on child rights? Um, it's not such a bad job, but it's never really been on my list. So what do you see yourself doing in the future? Uh, something on the, along the lines of veterinary. And how about you, Adriana? I actually have no clue. Um, I don't know why I want to do anything yet. Adriana wanted to be a running, singing <laughs> doctor. <laughs> Because, <laughs> well, they don't do all the extracurricular activities in England so much, but Adriana was the champion athlete of her school uh, for every age group uh, when she was in Sri Lanka. And both Alex and Adriana were top 10 national tennis players in Sri Lanka as well. Um, so, <laughs> and, uh, and so her, and so we did have a family joke about this that she wanted to be a running, singing doctor. Well, I think that would have been an absolutely amazing thing to have during the pandemic. Can you imagine all the fantastic videos we could have had of, of a fantastic doctor wandering around the hospital halls singing and dancing? It would have cheered everyone up. Well, thank you so much to all of you for speaking with the voice of the child. And I wish you lots of luck with your case. And do let us know how it goes. Thank you again. Thank you very much for having thank us. And it was a pleasure to meet you, talk to you and see you.